The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so thankful that you're here. Today, we are having on a man who is the author of multiple books, including The Physics of God, and the one we'll be discussing a lot today, Break Through the Limits of the Brain. He's an avid follower of the unfolding new paradigms of science. He is known for creating bridges of understanding between the modern evidence-based discoveries of science and the ancient experience-based discoveries of the mystics. He's also a dedicated Kriya meditator for nearly 50 years. His book, Break Through the Limits of the Brain, offers proven and practical ways to tap into the life-changing, life-enhancing treasure house of our superconscious potential. The book debunks scientific materialism's brain-based explanation for consciousness and intelligence and explains instead the view of many prominent and open-minded scientists that an all-pervading, intelligent consciousness is the foundation of reality an age-old view shared by saints, sages, mystics, and near-death experiencers. He explores the current neuroscientific understanding of the brain's dismaying degree of life-controlling influence on our thoughts, emotions, and behavior, and balances that understanding with neuroscience's discoveries of neuroplasticity and our innate ability to rewire the brain for any new purpose, from the material to the mystical. Break through the limits of the brain, delves into the scientific support for the existence of a subtle, non-local reality that strongly suggests that we exist simultaneously in both a subtle and a physical reality, and that our thoughts, life force, emotions, and memories originate non-locally. Meditation is a central theme of the book, what it is, how to do it, why it works, its physical, mental, and emotional benefits as measured by neuroscientists, and how it rewires the brain for superconscious awareness. The book offers proven practices for bringing this superconscious awareness into one's life for success, energy, health, peace of mind, and happiness. Please help me welcome Joseph Selby to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to dive into your book. Um, breaking the limits of the brain. But um, I'm also, now that I know about the physics of God, I'm really excited to purchase that book and read that one as well, because it it just seems super intriguing to me. Both of them, both of them I'm really uh, drawn to. So. Well, thank you. Yeah. So maybe we can start out with what the limits of the brain are. Um, a lot of 
I feel like a lot of times we don't even realize that our brain has limits besides what we consider to be how intellectual we are or articulate or things like that. So, Well, I think that the primary limit that I discovered and explored in Breakthrough the Limits of the Brain is that our brain tends to support what we typically think of as conscious awareness, that we're aware of the world around us, we're aware of our body, and that awareness is not the only awareness that we're capable of, but it's the one that we have almost all of the time to the point where it's you know difficult to convince people that there could be any awareness beyond what they're already experiencing. Mm-hmm. And that's because the brain has wired itself to support our conscious awareness. And it starts when we're really young. Um, not that many people realize that many, many young children, you know, between infancy and two and three and four, are frequently aware of angels or yeah. of uh, other beings that are not manifesting physically. Yeah, I remember having that ability. Mm -hmm. It's it's fairly common, and yet most of the time it fades, or our our parents begin to talk us out of it because it's, you know, somewhat of a uncomfortable awareness for them to, uh, to have their child have because of society's kind of um, disbelief or even disapproval of that kind of awareness. Yeah, or they would t- they were told it was their imagination, so they're just telling us that. And right. So we just we feel discredited and chalk it up to that. Yeah. Yeah, it just gets passed on generationally. So that is an awareness that is beyond the brain. It mm-hmm. is a awareness that is not sensory and it's not physical. But gradually, we we get talked out of that kind of awareness. And we also need very much to develop the awareness of what the senses are telling us and what our body is doing, because we need to operate in this purely physical world that our consciousness gives us awareness of, our conscious mind does. And so we start to build up... um, circuits that support, neural circuits that support operating in the physical world, movement, speech, uh, awareness of the senses, coordinating sensory awareness with physical movement. And that becomes our awareness. And it's very much supported by the brain, Mm -hmm. by the neural circuits in the brain. And it gets to the point where that's all we're aware of. And to have greater awareness, we need to break through that limit. It's an unintentionally but uh, self-created limitation that uh, we have built up over, you know, years to decades. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, had we not, had we not done that, what would life look like? Like, what, what would that be? Well, if we hadn't done it, we'd have super conscious awareness. We'd have a much more expanded awareness 
than we do now. And that would primarily be of subtle reality. So that subtle reality is on a, an emotional level, we would feel much more profound sense of joy and happiness that has little or nothing to do with what we're experiencing through the senses. We'd have an expanded uh, mental awareness. We'd be far more intuitive, able to bring in uh, ideas and concepts that uh, don't come easily when we're limited. And we would have perceptual awareness that would be very different. We would perceive uh, what is known by the saints and sages as the astral regions or the subtle luminous regions that are talked about as um, heavenly experience. And they are the, the, the world in which the angels that we perceived as very, very young children naturally live in. They don't have uh, physical bodies at this time, but they still exist in astral bodies. So our awareness would be far greater than what we have now, far more wonderful, far more expansive. And this is the awareness that saints, sages, mystics have all the time, or that they can move back and forth between sensory awareness and mm -hmm. superconscious non-sensory awareness. Yeah, I'm curious um, if you feel that what you're describing is similar to what many experience on psychedelics or plant medicine. Yes, um, there, there are similar kinds of experience. Um, not only psychedelics, near-death experiencers have these expanded experiences. I myself was very uh, deeply influenced by a psychedelic experience when I was in college. I had many. This wasn't the only one I had, but I had one in particular that was so self-transformative, so moving. I experienced myself not with that expanded perception that I was referring to, but the mental and emotional perception. I was much more intuitive, and my heart was wide open, feeling very calm, peaceful, immediately warm and loving towards other people when I encountered them uh, during this, this experience. And it convinced me to my core that there was much more to, to experience and led me uh, step by step to being on a, you know, what people would consider to be a spiritual path, which mm -hmm. really is, spiritual path is really all about learning to perceive greater and greater degrees of subtle awareness. Yeah. Yeah. That was, <clears throat> that's been my experience too. I've been working with plant medicines for about 10 years. Um, and everything that you described about this, like greater reality is, is what I feel I access um, on the medicines. And then it's like each time I take a little bit more of it into my life uh, and it's a little bit more easier for me to access in my day-to-day -day life. Uh, and I want to get into how to access it in our day-to-day -day life as well. But I'm curious because it, you know, I come from a, I grew up in a 
Christian fundamentalist church. And it seems like this, what we're describing and what we experience on plant medicine is a bit of somewhat what they're chasing, somewhat what they think they'll experience after death. However, experiencing it now through plant medicine seems to be a bit um, shamed by that perspective or some Christian churches. So I'm curious what your thoughts are there. If it's, um, yeah, do you have any thoughts there on, on why maybe that, that. um, Well, I think you maybe put your, put your finger on it is that uh, I think most Christian denominations that, that I'm aware of, and, and I do know of others that this is not the case for, but many uh, Christian denominations don't want there to be any other way to achieve the kind of heavenly reward that they're promising people mm-hmm. uh, in this life that will come to them in the hereafter. And it's there's sort of nothing in... Uh, sort of the the mainstream Christian DNA that talks about personal experience this side of death. Personal mm-hmm. experience on this side of death is, you know, prayerful reverence for Jesus, which can bring wonderful feelings, but mm-hmm. most of those denominations don't talk about it leading to transcendent experience now the the uh, christian paths that this is not true of are the uh monastic catholic paths and some of the more um you know fringe uh like the holy rollers comes to mind mm-hmm. within uh, the uh, uh non-catholic christian world that uh, really try to have deep experiences, direct experiences of higher realities and particularly of God and and Jesus. So it does exist in Christianity, but having been raised Presbyterian, I can tell you it was nothing I ever heard about, you know, from any minister when I was in a a Sunday service. It's just not something that is put forward. Any experience like that, that uh, they would even talk about was considered to be, you know, our heavenly reward, which I think it would be and will be and can be, depending on how you live your life. But you can also have it uh, in this life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you brought up near-death experiencers, um, the saints, the sages, and the near-death experiencers. Um, I'm curious when it comes to near-death experiencers, what the theme was there. Um, I haven't I haven't dived much into that particularly, but I have like people who remember past lives. But was there is there a th- like I'm I'm not sure if if you get to it in in some of your writing, but is there an, a theme of what people experience in in near death situations? Well, as someone who um, believes that there are heavenly realms and that mm-hmm. we will. Uh, attain them ourselves again depending on how we live um, we'll be conscious of them rather than sort of asleep when we're Mm -hmm. between lives as I believe in reincarnation as well Mm -hmm. 
So as someone who embraces that view for a whole variety of reasons, I found that the uh, stories of heavenly experience told by near-death experiencers to be profoundly confirming that they had uh, experiences that were non-physical. They were powerfully uh, part of their emotional experience. They were joyful. They were peaceful. They were loving. They were expansive. But also their minds were just uh, greatly expanded in terms of how they understood you know, what their purpose in life had been, what it could be in, in future, and what their ultimate experience can be as being part of this infinite consciousness that is God. And mm -hmm. this is just a, 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 a way station in God's great creation uh, in the heavens, but that mm -hmm. ultimately they're, you know, knowing God as themselves and knowing themselves as God yeah. is that ultimate goal. So I found them very uh, inspiring, the stories that they, that they told of mm -hmm. their time in the, uh, the heavenly regions before, for one reason and another, uh, they needed or chose to come back. Uh, mm -hmm. So I always find this um, comical but very human that many near-death experiencers did not want to come back. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it was so wonderful where they were, and they were surrounded by such beauty and such joy and such love that they just couldn't imagine needing to come back to sometimes very difficult lives, certainly sometimes coming back to um, broken, shattered bodies that were mm -hmm. the cause of their near-death experience. And yet, through loving care uh, from the people that they were with during their near-death experience, they eventually saw for themselves that th there was a purpose and meaning for them to come back that they needed to do however difficult it was going to be. And that was also inspiring to realize that um, this is not an easy life that, that we're living. We mm -hmm. don't have the obvious cues as to how to live our lives. And that, that perspective that comes with near death experience is uh, very meaningful to me that, you know, we're here to learn, we're here to learn to love. We're here to learn to, uh, be more aware of God, and that—that's the purpose. Everything else is just um, the the process we're going through in order to have these learning experiences. Yeah, it's also mind-boggling. I'm so curious what happens like when you're in that, you know, experience of so much love, and you decide to come back, or you decide um, like what it is that causes you to either decide to come back or to decide to take that lesson into the next life and to move forward there, you know, like there's so much um, that really we'll never truly know, you know, what, how, how all of that, I guess, happens. Some of them had said they were told things and their previous lives and their future lives were shown to them 
Mm. in order for them to understand the pattern of what they were learning and why certain things were going to happen and why they had to experience loss. Many times Mm. it was not only had they died, but their children had died or their children were badly hurt. And that was part of what they needed to come back for. Mm. But they were told that what they learned, they would often forget that they wouldn't remember all of the reasons why they were being told that they needed to 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 come back into this learning experience. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I had a Vedic astrologer on a couple of episodes ago, and uh, he said that I volun- most people have in their chart like one to two soul lessons, and he said that I volunteered for four in this life. So uh-huh. it explains why I'm so tired. <laughs> but yeah, it makes me, it just... It, it all makes me so curious um, what that experience is like when we choose our next, you know, what we volunteer for, the parents we volunteer for, all of that stuff. It's also, um, you know, I don't, I don't also don't want to get like so caught up in it because then it like takes you out of the present, but it's still so intriguing to me. So, um, well, I think it gives you a perspective, even if you don't constantly think about it, but it gives yeah. you a perspective that this life we're leading uh, in terms of the, you know, gains and losses on a material level or accomplishments or failures we made really are just a sideshow to what we're trying to do while we're here. And that if you don't have that perspective, it's very easy for those successes or failures or gains or losses to become everything Mm -hmm. that is meaningful to you. And when you only have that, it can be so painful because you just can't get the joy you seek. You can't get the love you seek just from those things. You know, you, you having that greater perspective and having a, a view of your own potential that is innately love, innately joy, innately peace, just allows you to live your life so much differently. That's one of the things that almost every near-death experiencer shared is that their view of their life just was transformed. Yeah. You know, what they thought had been important before wasn't, and what they hadn't thought was important often was, and that it completely changed their whole uh, view of what they were here for and why they were living the lives they were. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, that's another thing that I think about sometimes is like, I sometimes like have this little moment where I'll fantasize about super simple life. Like I just take the kids to school and then I go work out and then I prep meals and I don't like, cause for me, my life is very, um, I'm always in the work, you know, I'm always expanding in some way or diving in in some way. And, uh, it's not an easy path, you know? And, and so sometimes I fantasize about like not doing any of it, just not caring about any of it, but I, I wouldn't be able to, like, I can't, I, I can't live any other way. Um, but yeah, sometimes I fantasize about that type of vacation life where it's just 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I think that's often uh, almost a stereotypical view of what a real spiritual life is. That mm-hmm. you're you're di- you're dialed way back. I mean, it was Ramdas who talked about chopping wood, carrying water. You know, reducing life to um, great simplicity. Mm-hmm. But while I do believe that is a um, a sweet and beautiful way to live, and for those for whom that is the the right choice, it's mm-hmm. a wonderful choice. But I don't yeah. think it has to be everyone's choice. Mm-hmm. And the reason that you know that I have experienced is that doing things and accomplishing things that are beyond just a simple life. Um, strengthen your will they develop abilities for you that you can then apply to going deep into meditation going deep into other spiritual practices that it's it's kind of like a workout it makes you strong Mm -hmm. to to do all those things It, it increases your will strengthens your concentration increases your um intuition your ability to work with people, all of those things you might not learn. And they're good to learn if you were just living a a minutely simple life. Mm -hmm. So I think there's power in living a dynamic life, Mm -hmm. useful power in living a dynamic life that give you the power to, you know, transcend that. Uh, on a for a, a single purpose into a higher purpose. Yeah, yeah, and I love that quote that you brought up by um, Ramdas, the chopping wood, carrying water. And I wonder if if one day I'm going to get to this point where that is, you know, just kind of like the the pursuit for me, I guess, you know, because it it does feel like I I I'm constantly. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. well, you'll, you'll get to see, obviously. But, yeah. you know, many, um, many saints, many sages, uh, in fact, most saints and sages that I know of from, from having read their biographies or, uh, you know, seeing them in action in, in this mm-hmm. time are very dynamic. There, I don't know any of them that are chopping wood and carrying water. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there there may be, and I, I really don't want to rule it out, um, because I think it is a very, you know, a, a meaningful path for those for whom it is the right one. But there's also dynamism that you, in a way, you you gain so much energy from what you're doing that you learn to translate that energy into just pure life force mm-hmm. moving you forward and as you experience that life force you realize well i'm not this physical body uh i'm not any of these tasks i'm trying to do i am this life force this intelligent life force that's full of joy and mm-hmm. so you kind of become that through that dynamism and that too is a very powerful and valid way to uh pursue the spiritual life 
Yeah. And I think also what comes to mind with that quote too, is like finding beauty in the mundane, you know, yeah. like the, the, the routine that you have with your kids or whatever, not that that would be mundane, but just that that's part of the ceremony, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious. So I know your book talks about an all pervading intelligent consciousness as the foundation of reality. And you, you brought up like God, um, I can't remember exactly how you said it just a few moments ago, but like God within and God without, or um, do you remember how you said it a few moments ago? Not exactly. I tend to say it a lot of different ways. Yeah. Uh, that God is so uh, multifaceted that you, uh-huh. can, you can think of what that reality is in a, in a great number of ways. But the, to, to respond to that specific mm-hmm. definition of God, uh, God is essentially bodiless, essentially infinite, mm-hmm. pure joy, pure love, pure intelligent consciousness. And yet simultaneously, God can manifest in a body. God could manifest to uh, anyone at any time. And as um, Yogananda, whose teachings uh, are the teachings I'm most familiar with, said that, God can come to you in whatever form you hold dear. Mm. So, so God is all of those forms and none of those forms. You know, God is Jesus. God is Krishna. God is, uh, you know, for me, Yogananda. But at the same time, God is beyond all those forms. And so that is also true for us. We are in our deepest essence, one with God. And yet we are simultaneously manifesting as if we were separate from God. Yeah. And this, this simultaneous, seemingly contradictory uh, reality is what I think confuses people the most. Yogananda said that we will eventually merge with God in the, in the sense that we will have the same awareness of God. We will have the same infinite awareness, the same infinite joy, uh, infinite power, but without any loss of individuality. I think in some paths that talk about uh, God in the purely impersonal, absolute sense, talk of realization, talk of merging with God as kind of a death of the ego. And I think for many people, that's not at all attractive, <laughs> you know, yeah. we kind of like ourselves, we have a certain attachment to being, uh, our, you know, being a being, even if we're not attached to being as the way we are now. Mm-hmm. And so it's confusing to think that we could have to give up entirely on any kind of awareness of self. And what I love about, I love many things about Yogananda's teachings, but in particular, I love this statement he makes that we become one with God without any loss of individuality. We lose the limitation of ego, but we don't lose awareness of ourself. We see all of our incarnations as uh, different expressions of God through this one journey, this one ego that we were, Mm -hmm. but we never lose 
that essential self that we have always been. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting because there are some religions or way of thinking that God is only outside of us. God is only one there's only one type of God. You can't find God in Krishna or Yogananda. And um, to think that for those way of thinking, um, to think that God can be within, that we can be God, to them may sound like pride or actual ego, you know, or um, uh, almost like idolatry of self. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's interesting. Um, I'm I'm curious, like what what the root of that is? Yeah. Well, there's probably a lot of roots to it, uh-huh. and it, it's certainly not um, reserved just to you know Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, you find this in many of the mainstream religions around the world, even. Mm-hmm. To, forms of Buddhism, certain forms of Hinduism, that God is outside of us Mm -hmm. and that the only thing we can really do to help ourselves along the way is to live lives in uh, accordance with the various rules of those various religions and that when we die, we'll go to some status in heaven that will be a, a, a wonderful life. Um, but that's it. We will always remain uh, removed from the actual being of God. Mm-hmm. But there's also, within the context of every mainstream religion, there are esoteric traditions that are all about experiential uh, spirituality that most often through meditation, we have the possibility to, in fact, experience God within us and ourself as God. And that that experience is what proves to us that there is no separation between ourselves and God. But most mainstream religions just simply don't offer it. It's no secret that shame-free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well-being. And accessible, expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive. Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women-powered resource for game-changing pleasure products and supportive content. Started by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy-to-use toys and accessories are made with body-safe, doctor-approved materials and smart design principles, and they've earned glowing praise from the New York Times, the Today Show, and many more including me. Whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand. Even better, Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you 
satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy. I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelt A-E-R. It's called air it's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation it creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris so you can go all the way right away guys i have like eight to ten orgasms almost every time i use it i use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice you will not be disappointed they're also sending me a bunch of their other products so i'll keep you updated but as of right now this one's my favorite and i highly recommend it Go to dameproducts.com and use code JADE today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. You write that we always have one foot in heaven and one foot on earth. Um, I'm not sure if this connects completely, but I'm curious if you can go into that. Yeah. Um, even those who understand there to be subtle realities that we can comprehend um, if we meditate or if we have certain experiences, we'll often assume, however, that that is something we can do while we are physical beings. But the truth is we're never only physical beings. Mm -hmm. That the reason we can perceive subtle reality is that we are inherently subtle reality ourselves and that we have a subtle body we have an angelic body a, a uh, astral body while we have a physical body and that the two are interpenetratingly connected so even as i'm talking to you i am simultaneously subtle and physical Mm -hmm. as are you, as are everyone, that we can't exist physically if we didn't have subtle astral bodies. Mm -hmm. And in fact, more of us than we might first even be able to comprehend is subtle and astral than is physical. So our thoughts, our emotion our perception, uh, our motivations, our memories, all of these exist in our subtle body and not in the physical body. Mm. We are so much more the subtle body than we are the physical body that when we actually do die, we go on experiencing ourselves as, in a way, as if nothing had happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of uh, near-death experiencers say that it takes them a while to realize that they are dead. Mm. They have out-of-body experiences. They float around in, in hospitals and we'll see people wandering around. And it's a very curious experience to them. And then they will finally see this body on a table and realize with a shock, that's me. And yet their perception of themselves, even when their body is lying on the table, that flat line, is that they still have a body and they mm -hmm. have the ability to think and they have the ability to remember things and they perceive things in the same way that they realize finally, oh, this, this 
being that I'm now experiencing in my out-of-body experience has always been there. They've always been uh, inextricably linked, Mm -hmm. but you don't notice that when you're uh, living in the two together. Yeah. Because the physical body tends to dominate our awareness. Do you think that we're going to keep reincarnating and just forgetting or do you think we're going to get to a point where we're all remembering i think we get to the point where we're all remembering yes uh but individually each one of us has got their own uh path to to walk Mm -hmm. and how long that takes or how uh varied the experiences we have in order to, to get to that point is really up to each one of us uh uniquely but we are infinite beings. There's, there's no way we can't. The deck is stacked in favor of us uh, realizing our oneness with the divine mm-hmm. and to realize it to the, to the degree that we know we are nothing but God, nothing but infinite consciousness, infinite joy, infinite being. We will know that because... We are that. We're just, we're perceiving something limited because we've become caught up in that limited uh, expression of God's creation. Yeah. But it's up to us if we want to stay and play or uh, grow and go. Yeah. How do you feel this all um, applies to all of the crud going on in the world, like sex trafficking and um, not taking care of the earth and things like that. Is that just um, when it comes to this super conscious awareness that we all have, um, why is that also existing? Well, I think honestly that it's almost impossible to square the state of the world and you know, there are beauties in this world, but there are horrors in this world. And you just mentioned, but a few, I think it's impossible to square that reality of this world, Mm -hmm. the good and the bad, the dark and the light with a benign God, unless you take into account reincarnation. Mm -hmm. I think one of the main reasons why many people just leave Christianity behind is that they they just cannot uh, understand, they cannot believe, they cannot accept that uh, a benign God could let what happens in this world happen. And therefore, the whole picture must be wrong and they walk away from it. But when you embrace reincarnation, or at least when you examine reincarnation it tells us a different picture it says everything that's happening on this earth is not god's will for this earth it is the sum total of the choices made by billions of souls who are working out this process of what do i do to become happy What do I do to uh, become whole? What do I do to uh, find 
the joy and enduring joy and happiness that I want. Mm -hmm. And so people are making horrifically bad choices, but I think in their heart of hearts, they're making choices that they think are the best choice for their own well-being. Yeah. And choice after choice has to be experienced and learned from. Mm -hmm. And so from that perspective, the world as we know it is a school. And mm -hmm. that we're we're going, we're incarnating in order to learn the lessons that we need to learn. Yeah. And those lessons can be um heart-wrenching. They can be extremely difficult. But as long as we keep making choices that don't lead us back to feeling the presence of God within our heart and mind and soul, then we'll continue to make those kind of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious what we can do to become more super consciously aware of this greater reality and tap into these unawakened abilities. I know your book talks a lot about meditation, but um, not sure if there's one that you recommend most or or just yeah any any tools well there's one uh meditation technique that i share in the book uh break through the limits of the brain also in the physics of god and on my website and everywhere uh which is the hung saw technique of meditation mm -hmm. and hung saw literally means it's sanskrit for i am spirit and it's a technique that you use in concert with your breath. So you watch your breath and just let your breath uh, flow as it will. And then as it comes in, you mentally chant hung for the duration of the breath. And then saw on exhalation for the duration of the exhalation. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of uh, singing this mantra as you watch your breath. There's much more to it, and I really recommend, if you are interested, finding it on my website, uh, which is, um, you can find it, josephselby.com. Mm -hmm. That's S-E-L-B-I-E, -E, an unusual spelling of Selby. So josephselby.com. Uh, you can go there, and there's lots on that website, but in particular, you can find your way to Hung Saw. But there are lots of meditation techniques, and... Mm -hmm. They all share the common um, effect, which is they slow down our thinking processes. They still the physical body. And the more still mind and body become, the more naturally we are aware of our subtle body. Mm -hmm. So that's why we don't have this ongoing awareness of our subtle body, even though that is, you know, monumentally more than our physical body is. You know, we are so much more than we know. But the reason we don't know it is that the physical body is very uh, active. And every active movement of the physical body makes us... Uh, react emotionally, makes us think, makes us move more. And it is a, um, you know, it's a kind of a vicious circle that, mm -hmm. and, and those movements are all supported. And those thoughts are all supported by 
neural circuits in our brain, which is mm-hmm. what brings us back full circle to what does it mean to break through the limits of the brain. We have uh, basically programmed our brains. We've created millions of neural circuits that respond to the slightest input, whether that be sensory input or mental input or emotional input. And once triggered, it like sets off a chain reaction in our brain. Um, Anybody who's tried to meditate can say, to share their own story of how one thought triggered another thought, triggered Mm -hmm. another thought, triggered another thought, triggered an emotion, triggered movement, triggered a song playing in their head to actually making them sing until they go, oh, wait, I'm meditating. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be thinking about all these things. And that all happens because we have these interconnected uh, neural circuits that we've, we've programmed into our brains that support everything we want to do on a physical level. So without them, we really couldn't function. Mm-hmm. If we didn't have the neural circuits that allow us to walk, we would literally crawl every morning when we woke up, and we would not get any further than crawling. When we, when we learned to walk, we built circuit upon circuit upon circuit of how to manage our physical bodies. And now when we get up, those circuits automatically fire. We walk, we move. All that is necessary to function in the physical world. But because it's so necessary and because it's so interlinked, we have what I think of as an ongoing fireworks display taking where a place in our brain that distracts us from all subtle reality mm-hmm. that's why meditation is one of the only ways to regain that awareness of our subtle body our one foot in heaven is that you have to deliberately calm the mind still the body focus within and when you learn to get past that fireworks display and to get past all the impulse to move mm-hmm. that is so natural to us, you feel wonderful. You feel peaceful. You feel relaxed. You even start to feel a sense of well being that is beyond just relaxation. Mm-hmm. And what you're experiencing is your subtle self. That's who we are more than we are these physical bodies. Yeah. And the longer you spend in that experience of the subtle body, the more wonderful you feel. And gradually you create new circuits mm-hmm. that support that experience. So when you sit down to meditation, it's easier. It's progressively easier to become still and to become mentally focused and to go deeper yet into this subtle experience, to feel yourself as part of the infinite divine and that you are divine and God is divine. You are God. God is you. That, That starts to be 
second nature to you when you sit to meditate and then that mm-hmm. flows to your daily life as well even when you're busy mm-hmm. it's easier to be more in the moment and to feel your connection to everything even amidst activity mm-hmm. this is what the sages and saints learn to do they feel themselves one with god but are able to act with great uh, energy and joy and humor and <laughs> success in everything that they do, but without disconnecting from source. So that's what we can learn to do. That's what meditation gradually does for us. It reprograms, it rewires our brain to support the more subtle us to support yeah. our uh, our one foot in heaven that's already in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that, and I'm curious too. Um, you you know you're talking about rewiring the brain, and I know in your book you talk about rewiring it for any new purpose as well, whether material or mystical. Um, when it comes to maybe someone who is struggling with an illness and wants to, uh, their new purpose is health or someone who's struggling financially and their new purpose or their, um, their purpose or intention is um, attracting financial stability or um, the, the woman who wants a certain partner, you know, all these things. Can you speak to a little bit to that? How, how this neuroplasticity that can create that basically through this? Well, it's, it's very simple to state. It's not necessarily easy to do. It's very simple to state, which is that your brain rewires to support anything you do repeatedly. Mm. Anything. So if what you need is a new health regimen because your, your health is not what you want it to be, then any habit you start off to you know, establish whether it's dietary or exercise or mental, emotional things that are getting in the way of your health. Any one of those you set out to do will fairly quickly gain support from neural circuits that you're forming in your brain. And in in a nutshell, those neural circuits give a boost to your willpower. So the hardest thing to do when we're changing for any purpose is to not be swept away by already established habits who uh, you know, are going to strongly suggest to our mind uh, that we eat a certain way or behave a certain way. Mm-hmm. So those new circuits we establish are like you know, young, tender plants that are easily trampled under. But if you just stick with one at a time, be methodical in the way you develop new circuitry, the way you rewire your brain. Pick something you really want to make happen. Do it over and over. Focus on it. It can be weeks to months to establish such a habit. But if you do it with regularity and and real intention, real focus, you can create a uh, neural circuit that is as powerfully enabling as the old circuits you're really trying to leave behind are uh, 
disabling. Mm. But those habits generally took years to create. Our negative habits took years to create, but you can create new habits in weeks to months. Yeah. Once you have them, they're yours for life. They are actual physical structures in your brain that will fire and support and give you that boost of willpower you need to continue doing what mm-hmm. you So if that's um, you know, developing some kind of business acumen, mm-hmm. um, if it's attracting um, someone you want to live a life with, the best way I know to attract someone that you want to live with is be that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what, what is what is that uh, quality that you most desire in someone and set aside trying to create that quality in yourself? Because like will attract like, you will find that uh, people will be attracted to you because you are very much like them or because there's certain qualities that you have that they have or they want. Mm-hmm. So being yeah. deliberate, you can... In a, in a sense, rewiring your brain is about methodically kind of rebuilding or newly building the person that you want to be. Yeah. And the advantage to meditation, just don't want to leave it behind, is that meditation not only rewires the brain for that experience, it also subtly rewires everything in your brain. Immersing yourself in deep, positive spiritual experiences strengthens all the positive circuits that you have in your brain already. Mm-hmm. So any new positive circuits you're trying to create will also be energized and and the speed with which they will be established in your brain will be uh, increased. So, mm-hmm. so that touching into spirit is a powerful dose of positivity that just flows everywhere it flows into your body in the form of health it flows into your mind in the form of intuition flows into your brain in the form of um, this magnetic reshaping of neural circuitry Mm -hmm. so if you if you have the energy you have the determination to create one new habit now and you don't already meditate that is the single most important new behavior you could establish because it helps mm-hmm. everything else that you will want to do or want to continue doing. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So I, one last question before I go into the lightning round that ends the show. For those that um, just really struggle with the idea of meditating, like you said, their thoughts won't stop or, um, you know, their kids wake them up super early and they're just go, go, go until they just fall in bed at the end of the day. What, um, what tips or tools do you have for them to get started? Maybe just lower your expectations for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people become discouraged because they expect, expect their thoughts to slow down Mm. and they expect to be able to sit still um, just immediately Mm -hmm. because now they're meditating and they should be you know their thoughts should have stilled their body should have stilled 
So lower your expectations and uh, realize that you are going to have thoughts, that you you are going to have a body that maybe only can sit still for a few minutes at a stretch. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, have that as a baseline. Every Everything beyond that is uh, is success. Yeah. Everything beyond that few minutes is success. But keep at it. Keep at it. I think even if you lower your expectations and are willing to sit for even five minutes, 10 minutes at a time, mm-hmm. and just do it day after day mm-hmm. at the same time, however successful you think you're doing it, one of those times very soon, you will have the experience where you go, ah, oh, I felt something different and it's mm-hmm. something I like. Mm-hmm. And that is also a reason that I recommend the Hung Sa technique is that the Hung Sa techniques gives you something to do with the restless mind mm-hmm. which is to watch the breath mm-hmm. and to repeat Hung and Sa. It's yeah. no guarantee. It's not a magic wand. You may say Hung and even before you finish saying Hung, your mind is off thinking about other things. Mm-hmm. You don't even get Sa in on the, uh, uh, on the next part of your breath. So... But in time, because the mind tends to want to think about things, it wants to focus on things, mm-hmm. the hum and the saw in, in, in um, inhalation and exhalation will help you keep the mind from running off. So I do recommend a technique. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if you can't even get going on the technique, at least sit for a bit. Mm-hmm. At least try to get uh so that you have a little benefit of calmness yeah beautiful thank you so much so there's a few short questions that i ask everyone who comes on the show the first one is if you could hug your younger self right now what would you say i've been fortunate i will i will tell you that 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 i pretty much led the life that I wanted to lead mm-hmm. but I think what I would tell my younger self to do is um, not worry so much yeah. about specific things happening mm. and to and to be aware that those specific things were probably going to happen no matter what you did mm. that those were all there to learn the lessons that you were uh, you know you chose to live yeah so so relax a bit chill <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you could have the whole world read one book which would it be uh simple answer the autobiography of a yogi uh, oh. by paramahansa yogananda it is um a a man who wrote um american veda phil goldberg interviewed over 200 contemporary spiritual teachers in order to write his book, which is about really how um, spiritual teaching spread into America from from the East. And he said that the one book that was most often mentioned by those 200 different teachers that had influenced their lives was the Autobiography of a Yogi. 
by Paramahansa oh. Yogananda. It is uh, a seminal work. It was written in 1946. Many of the themes that have become uh, just commonly accepted parts of what I think of the, the uh, movement of experiential spirituality in America and around the world really were, were expressed uh, to Americans for the first time in that book. Mm, beautiful. I haven't read it, but I'll order it. Thank you. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Mm. One phrase to everyone. That's difficult because people are in so many different places. Yeah. There's so many different things that they will or won't hear. Mm -hmm. Maybe just happiness is possible. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you. So before I let you go, you've mentioned your website. Maybe you can mention it one more time and just where people can find your book. So, uh, all of my books that I've written uh, are accessible on this one site, which is Joseph Selby, spelled S-E-L-B-I-E dot com. And you can find, as I already mentioned, uh, how to meditate there. But there are lots of uh, articles about my books. There are um, first chapters of those books. Sometimes people want to get a, a, mm -hmm. a deeper taste of the book before they commit. And then uh, all of those books will link you out to uh, Amazon where you can find them in print, in uh, Kindle, and in audio. So that's Break Through the Limits of the Brain, uh, The Physics of God, and then a book uh, that I wrote came out in 2010, which is called The Yugas. And it's about the ancient system in India of a cyclical form of human development so that there were higher ages in the past and there will be higher ages in the future mm. and that we go through a 24,000 year cycle of wow. uh, human development so those three books are there and, and as I say you can read about them you can read articles about them and uh, if you want to buy them they're all available yeah, I'm really interested in that last one that you mentioned. Thank you so much. I'm, My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm. I'm so 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 thankful for the work that you're doing, and and um, yeah, this was just such an amazing talk. And and uh, I uh, really quick your release date for your newest book, if you don't mind saying that, because I think oh, yes, thank you. I, I'm supposed to remember that, but I don't uh -huh. always. Uh, September 1st. September 1st, uh, okay. This year, so 2022. Okay, so so in a couple of weeks. Okay, awesome. Thank you, you can so pre-order for those who, who Perfect. like to get it and get it in their uh, inbox as a surprise on the 1st. Uh, Perfect. Awesome. Okay, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. It was, yeah. a, it was a pleasure to, to talk with you, Jade. You too. Thank you. All right, you guys. I uh, I really appreciate his work, and it reminds me of Joe Dispenza, who I'm a big fan of. If you have the Gaia app, which is so amazing, it's like Netflix for really enlightened uh, shows and documentaries around health and spirituality and healing. Um, there's a series on there called Rewired by Joe Dispenza that's all about this. 
I know I've recommended on here before the tapping solution, which is all about using tapping on meridian points for healing. Uh, but I love the Gaia app and I can't remember how much it was for a year, but it's, it's well worth it. Even if you just do a month and just binge watch some stuff, but highly recommend starting with rewired by Joe Dispenza. It's just mind blowing what meditation can do and how much we can access how unlimited our potential is. It's just, oh, yeah. So yeah, I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode. Uh, whether you reach out to me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast, or whether you leave a review, that's one way that you can support the show is through leaving a review or sharing an episode with your friend. You can also support the affiliates. Gene Keys. I love being an affiliate for I love my episode with Richard Rudd is still one of my favorites. And he has a new program called the dream art, which is how to use dreams as messengers. But he also has the pearl for love. Um, he's got or no Venus for love. The pearl is for um, prosperity. And if you use my link to click on any of those, once you're in there, once you're on the site, I'll get a little small cut. So that's one way you can support the show. The link is genekeys, G-E-N-E, keys.com forward slash the dash dream dash A-R-C forward slash R-E-F forward slash 1707 forward slash. That's also in the show notes and in my Instagram link on uh, under my bio. And then the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com. Code Jade gets you 15% off. My favorite is the AIR, A-E-R. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. Creates a little suction around the clitoris. I like to pair it with my pleasure wand and my yoni egg. I get my wands from wands.com. That's two A's, W-A-A-N-D-S.com. And code Jade for a discount there as well. I teach women how to use wands and yoni eggs. And so you can also book a session with me to learn how to use them for all different types of healings, all different types of gentle trauma releases. I mean, it's endless, the things you can use these things for. I'm, I've actually got my yoni egg inside right now. I fast on Tuesdays, which is why I probably sound a bit spacey at this point, because it's now two o'clock on Tuesday and I've not had... Uh, a bite of anything. I fast on Tuesdays. If you listen to the Vedic astrology episode, that was one of his suggestions for me. So I'm trying it out. But while I'm fasting on Tuesdays, I work with my jade egg a lot um, while chanting, while asking the jade egg to extract anything from me that is uh, not keeping me balanced when it comes to Mars energy in my life, which is Tuesday. And then um, I do some work with the jade egg to, to like pull that out using this uh, vortex that I create. So lots, <laughs> lots to um, describe there in a short period of time. So if you're more, if you're interested more in that, just book a session with me, but you can get your tools at wands.com. All right. And then all things infrared at higher dose code Jade 75 for $75 off. I am also while fasting, going to get in my sauna bl blanket, my infrared sauna blanket. As soon as I jump off here, I take some charcoal, get in there, and I sweat it out. Really, really beneficial while fasting or while not fasting. It's really important that we do stuff like this like once a week, sweating out the impurities after taking a binder. 
And the fact that it's infrared is really, really healing for the skin. And so many, there's so many benefits to infrared, y'all. So code Jade75 for $75 off. As you can see, my words are coming out. Like I can barely say the word code because I'm fasting. I don't know how much longer, how many more Tuesdays I'm going to do this, but I've committed to 90 days, uh, which mm, not sure how many Tuesdays that is. I think it's like 12, 12 Tuesdays. Not so bad. I've already done two. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much if you would leave that review or share an episode with a friend. You can also join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unshamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.